Now, it's good to know that God is in control. And one of the things I didn't realise until I was just loading up a pretty slide that she made for her talk this morning, and I realised that it's all about sheep, uh, because the sermon is about the shepherds uh, and the shepherd's wife. And then I remembered, well, actually, Criddy's got a, her doctorate is in sheepology. So actually, there isn't a better person to have been given this message, which was, you know, God obviously knows what he is doing. So in a second, we're going to play the little uh, skit guys intro video, and then uh, Quiddy's going to come up uh, and bring the message. But let's pray before we do. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to gather in your house, Lord God. Your house is wherever your people are gathered, whether we're here or in the town hall or in our homes uh, watching uh, live streams. But Lord God, we thank you that we are with you. You are with us. Your Holy Spirit is in us. The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within us. And we thank you for that, Lord God, and we pray that in this Christmas season we will enjoy your shalom peace as you continue to restore, equip, and disciple your children and build your church. And I pray your anointing on Criddy as she brings a word for us this morning, Lord God, I pray that our hearts are humble and teachable, our ears are open to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He and I have a rhythm and a routine here in our humble home, and that morning he was messing it up. See, he comes in at 7.12 every morning on the nose. I hear his boots hit the floor. I make the coffee. He washes the pasture off of him, and we take our toast to the patio. That's our thing. He's a quiet man, likes the one word answers, that one. And then he's off to bed. He, um, he keeps the herd at night. Oh, how my parents looked at me when I told them that I'd fallen in love with a shepherd boy. <laughs> but um, that's a story for another time. Or never. But that morning, there were no boots, only quiet. Quiet like my husband. Before I could get to the front door, it slammed. It was, it was loud. It was different. As if the front door knew something I didn't know. My husband yells for me. He yells for me. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's lost the herd. He's out of breath. He's saying my name as he takes my face in his big hands. He, his eyes, they're full of fear. No awe are running down his face and he can't stop talking, ranting about this bright light that fell out of the sky and angels, yes, that is what I said, angels, hundreds of them all over the field proclaiming good news. But what did he mean, good news? <laughs> now I know my husband, the shepherd, he will never hold the scepter of a king, never sit with dignitaries to solve the world's problems, never even be invited to a meal where he has to wear a suit. But he was given the greatest edict in all the land, all the world, actually, called to the front lines by God himself to proclaim this good news. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I can say it in my sleep now. I can see it sometimes too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was pleased with my husband, the shepherd. His boots hit the floor a little later on these days and that's okay because he is telling anyone who will listen the good news. Good morning. They do it so well, don't they? So well. Follow that. <laughs> um, good morning to everybody here. It is really, really so exciting to be with you. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> don't follow that. Um, um, and I love the title, Witness His Majesty. It's not about reading about His Majesty. It's not about hearing about it second-in-hand. It's about witnessing it. That's seeing it with our own eyes. And I think that's so exciting because He's a real God now, here, always. So, <clears throat> the story I'm about to tell you happened in Israel between 6 and 4 BC. And it's based very heavily on Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 22. It's part of the greatest story that will ever be told. And if you know your Bible well, it begins, well, it began at the beginning. But this bit of the story takes place in an area where Abraham nearly sacrificed his son Isaac to God, where Jacob buried his beloved Rachel, where Boaz and Ruth farmed, where the shepherd boy David was born before he became king, and David's city is now the town of Bethlehem, which lies close to the great city and temple of Jerusalem. Jesus often spoke about shepherds and their flocks and likened himself to a good shepherd. The shepherds in this tale manage their sheep very differently. The temple shepherds. Reuben was fed up as he left for work that evening and headed out for the tower. He'd been on the night shift for a while now. Only the Lord knew when someone back at the temple would remember to swap the shifts around as long as regular consignments of healthy, perfect lambs kept turning up at the temple, the shepherds of the vast flocks were forgotten. Sin was big business. It needed a constant supply of tens of thousands of lambs, ewes and rams for sacrifice, not to mention the oxen, goats and pigeons. That was a lot of sin each year, he thought to himself, sighing. And it went right back to Adam and Eve. That evening, 
the sheep tower stood silhouetted against a glorious gold and red sunset. But even that didn't cheer Reuben up. It was the lambing season, and they were all tired. It was all right for the day shift. They could see from the top of the tower when the ewes were about to give birth. The night shift had to do it all the hard way, on foot. He hoped God wasn't listening while he moaned. He could hear the din of the ewes and lambs long before he entered the large, round base of the tower. The cheerful whistle of Aram could just be heard through the gaps in the floorboards above as he filled the lamps ready for their rounds. Micah was mucking out an almost constant job as these lambs had to be kept clean, but he still managed to keep up his usual running commentary. How that man could talk. Evening, Reuben, he called across the woolly heads. Can you fetch a bucket of water? I need to clear up after this, you. Nice little lamb, though. Reuben brought the water and some strips of cloth for the lamb. Once its mother had cleaned it, they'd swaddle it a bit to protect it from bumps and bruises in the cramped conditions. These ewes were first timers, and their lambs were special, holy, belonging to God. Mostly, they went straight to the temple a week after birth. It was the law, you see, given, by Moses, given to Moses by God. All the shepherds had had training from the Levitical priests. It had to be done the right way. They understood that. The job was passed down from father to son, just like many of the roles in the temple. Aram came down the ladder and joined them. The day shift was busy, he said cheerfully. It's, it had been his turn to come in early for the shift handover. I can see that, said Reuben, scratching the head of one of the fat-tailed ewes. She waggled her long ears as her shaky newborn lamb suckled. All's quiet with the rams and the older ewes, said Aram, continuing his report. Nice crop so far. A couple of old girls had a bit of trouble, so they're penned round the back with the others. They can probably go back out in the morning. Just then, the relief team arrived. These shepherds had been brought in from the other side of Jerusalem. They usually tended the huge flocks of ram lambs who were under a year old. The new team was well wrapped against the cold wind that had sprung up. So glad you could join us, gents, joked Aram. Shall we get on with it? Reuben pulled his cloak tighter around himself as he led the way, his lamp held high. Watch your step, he chuckled. It's a bit rough in places. And keep a sharp lookout. If the ewes have left the flock to give birth, they'll hide themselves well. Micah took some of the relief team to help check the older ewes in the fields adjacent, while Reuben, Aram, and the others spread out from the base of the tower. It was impossible to count a flock that big in the dark, so carefully they checked every inch of the field, looking in the bushes, hollows, and behind every boulder. It was some time before they all met in the far corner of the field. All quiet, asked Reuben. They nodded. 
Aram's teeth were beginning to chatter as he said, let's head back then. Reuben was gazing up at the sky. It's certainly a beautiful night, he muttered. You could just make out the black mass of Jerusalem spread over the three hills a few miles away. But it was the stars that held his attention. They seemed to sparkle far more than was usual. They followed his gaze into the night sky. Look, a shooting star, said one of the others. And another, and another, exclaimed Aram. They're everywhere, said Reuben, amazed. I've never seen so many. Suddenly, white light exploded from the middle of the field on the other side of the wall. Rooted to the spot, the shepherds watched the precious sheep scattering in all directions, barring wildly. Aliens, thought Reuben. No, no, he didn't, sorry, I'm messing with you. <laughs> Sheltering his eyes from the, the, from the brightness with his arm, Reuben saw at the heart of the light the white shape of someone. An angel, whispered Aram. It must have lost its way, thought Reuben, as he lifted his other shaking hand and pointed towards Jerusalem. It had gone very quiet. So he heard the thud as his companions fell to their knees. His had turned to jelly, and he also felt uncomfortably warm. Sweat began to trickle down his back. Fear not, said a voice with a note of pleading in it. It's okay, I'm not going to harm you. And by the way, I haven't lost my way. Was that a voice in his head? Or did it come from the shining, very tall figure now stovering just over the wall? You won't find that in the dictionary. I made it up. It's a cross between standing and hovering. <laughs> Little stars began to flash around it. Reuben were heard one of the others moan. The angel coughed. <clears throat> I'm here to tell you the good news. He paused in thought for a moment. No, actually, that's one of the boss's understatements. I'm here to tell you, he pointed at them at that moment, sorry, he pointed at them, but at that moment, several other shepherdy heads appeared over the adjacent wall. He nodded at them so they knew they were included in what he was about to say. I've been sent to tell you the most fantastic news you will ever hear. God is announcing the birth of his son, and this news is for everyone. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord your King, has been born tonight in the city of David, in town. Now he's talking, thought Reuben. I've waited my whole life for this. The whole nation has. This is the right place. And this angel must mean it's the right time. The prophecies are beginning to come true. Where, I hear you ask, said the angel. But of course, no one had said a word. 
They were quite glad there was still a wall between them and the suspiciously humorous angelic being. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling and lying in a manger, finished the angel. Is he giving us directions, whispered Aram in Reuben's ear. Shouldn't he be telling a priest, the synagogue leader, a Pharisee? Who's going to believe us? The angel smiled knowingly. They have a habit of doing that. Suddenly, as though bursting from hiding, the angel was surrounded by, like, by others like himself, a vast army host reaching as far as he could see, as they could see into the night sky, chasing the darkness away and filling it with God's glory. As one, they praised him. Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, said the heavenly multitudes, hosts, armies. I'm going to take a break from the story there. Um, Mark, could you put the second slide up, please? This is um, a ruin of the type of tower that the shepherds may have birthed their sheep in, the lambs. Um, the, the most famous one that I'm aware of is called um, Migdal Edda, and it's near Bethlehem. Um, this one's a bit of a ruin, and they were, some of them are quite tall, so you, had, you could see a huge area around them. And um, could I have slide three, please? This is just to bring some reality to Thing. This is a Jacob sheep, which is a rare breed in this country. Um, but they think that the name Jacobs goes right back to biblical times. These sheep died out of the um, Middle East um, quite a while ago. Uh, that's where the spots come um, that you may remember from stories. And they, they have quite spectacular horns. Uh, I think in 2018, they've actually begun a program of reintroducing these sheep to the Middle East, which I thought was quite interesting. And if I could have slide four. This is a very faded picture of what I believe is called an Awasi. It's a, a breed of fat-tailed sheep. They're very thin faces, long dangly ears, and very fat tails. In fact, they have very fat hindquarters. So if they went to you, does my bottom look big in this woolly jumper? Yes is the answer you want, because during the rainy season, these sheep eat all the vegetation up, because when the Sirocco winds come and everything dries out and there's not a lot of water, they've stored their fat in their bottoms and their tails, and that helps them to go through those, those periods when there isn't enough pasture for them. So a very, a very good breed, the main breed. They're also excellent milkers as well. I believe they use them commercially for producing milk. So the first point I want to make from the first part of the story is this is not a cosy fairy tale. I think the Christmas story gets to be a bit like that sometimes. It really happened to real people like you and me, the sort of people God calls and chooses at the right time 
in the right place, no matter what our circumstances are. The second point, if we have to make points, God chose the, the unholy, unseen outcasts to share his good news celebration with. God sees you, he knows you, he wants to share his good news with you and draw you into his family. And the third, the good news of peace with God. What's that all about? What does that mean? Well, God is holy and perfect, with a capital P. And animal sacrifice became a means of dealing with the problems created by sin, which disturbed the peace that should exist between God and people. The presence of sin in people's lives, if you like, separated them from God. And that makes him very sad because he loves people so very much. But God had a plan and it would involve his son and result in peace between him and people. Our shepherds had other problems, however, besides the long hours and their responsibilities to produce thousands of good quality sheep. Often, a sheep would die, and removing it from the field and disposing of the carcass meant the shepherds would become contaminated under the law. But a good wash of themselves and their clothes when the sun set was all that was required to make them clean again. And therefore, when they were clean, acceptable to God and other people. However, during the lambing season, it got trickier, as contact with birth fluids and blood made them unclean for seven days. Only after this could they be washed clean, but then they had to make a sacrifice at the temple. So... I imagine they just waited until the lambing season was over before they could socialize freely again. That must have been hard if you had a family. We've all experienced something similar with COVID. But let's get back to the story. The next bit's taken from Luke 2, 15 to 18, and verse 20. The sky was lit up by the angelic host praising God. It took Reuben's breath away. Beautiful and altogether too wonderful. Michael, Micah and the others sat on top of the wall waving their arms enthusiastically. A bit like being at a football match, I guess. While he kept up a running commentary. Aram span round and round, looking up into the smiling, joyous faces and realized he was singing and laughing and weeping all at the same time. Why would God choose to share this wonderful news with them? The very nature of the job at that time of year made them unclean, unholy, outcasts. Never mind the antisocial hours. How long the celebration went on, 
none of them could say. But slowly the party moved off and faded from view, leaving the shepherds enshrouded in darkness again, with spots before their eyes. The wind felt cold on their faces once more, and they could hear the sheep bleating. This baby is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, our Redeemer, exclaimed Reuben. The angel's given us directions to go and find him. What are we waiting for? But where will we find him? demanded Micah from the top of the adjacent wall. But where will we find him? demanded Micah from the top of the adjacent wall. The others nodded in agreement. Bethlehem wasn't exactly a small town. The old tower, that's the place, said Reuben. It's half empty. Simon and Ben don't have many first-timers, so there's plenty of room. And it's quiet and private, just right for a first-time mother and her baby, among the lambs for sacrifice. He'll be there, I just know it. He's right, agreed Micah. The town's so crowded because of the census, where else could a first-time mother go to give birth? It would be too crowded and inconvenient at the inn. The lads would certainly know what to do, chuckled Reuben. Let's go, cried Aaron. Wait for us, called Micah as they scrambled down. In their excitement, the little group of shepherds jogged around the edge of town and let out towards the old tower which had been built against a limestone outcrop. The path was faint, and the oil in their lamps was getting low. The crumbled tower was built around... was built around... Beg your pardon? The crumbled tower was built around a limestone outcrop, out of which a cave had been hollowed and there were stairs that went up around the outside of it to the platform, to the lookout platform. I seem to be missing a page. I am not. As they approached, Reuben looked up and saw a bright, bright star that looked almost as though it was resting on top of the crumbled tower. Lamplight shone faintly from the narrow windows, but all was quiet. As a man, they held their breath and tiptoed to the entrance. With his heart pounding, Reuben peeked around the doorpost. In the dim Light, he saw a few sleeping ewes and swaddled lambs, just a handful. His heart sank. He must have misunderstood the angel. Then a movement caught his eye from the back of the cave. A man was there folding a blanket, bending down, attending to someone. Then a tiny sound caused his heart to leap for joy. It was the gentle cry of a baby. Tears filled his eyes. Here among the holy lambs was a newborn baby 
who would rescue them from their sin as had been prophesied long ago. They left the stable as the sun came up. And as they hurried through the sleepy town, loudly praising God, they told everyone they met that the king had been born. It was such good news. That's the end of the story. There's a little more. I should probably mention that Luke doesn't mention a star. Um, the star was a sign for the wise men in Matthew. The angel was a sign for the shepherds. God knows just how to speak to us, how to put things so we can understand. Mary gave birth her first child, and he was considered holy and set apart to God, just like the lambs he was born among. His mother, however, was unclean for 40 days afterwards by law. On the eighth day, he was circumcised, an outward sign of his belonging to God. And oh boy, did he belong to God. And he was named Yeshua, or Joshua, the name the angel gave to Joseph at the beginning of Matthew. It is Hebrew for savior, and it is translated as the name Jesus. When the 40 days were over, Mary purified herself by sacrificing two turtle doves at the temple. They couldn't afford a lamb, not at temple prices, and a partridge in a pear tree was out of the question. That's the only joke I did. <laughs> um, Maybe 10 days isolation isn't so bad after all. But the Lord did allow her plenty of time to rest, nurse her baby, and quietly treasure in her heart all the things that had been said to her by the shepherds and the angel. And point four, back to God's plan, the one I mentioned earlier. This baby, the son of God, was also a man. So he grew up knowing what it was like to be human. But he never did anything wrong. Then 33, give or take a few years later, he willingly sacrificed himself on the cross. The production of so many lambs for the temple shows us the extent of the sin the Savior carried. But God laid on him the sin of all of us, the whole world. Isaiah 53, 6 puts it this way. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the guilt and iniquity of us all. It crushed the life out of him, and he died. His life given instead of ours. But it gets better. Then God brought him back to life, and he overcame death for us. 
We no longer have to die for our sins. We are given eternal life. But we are also given another gift. Another gift. It is Christmas. When we recognize what he did and believe in him, we are given another gift. That gift is the Holy Spirit. And he connects us to them. And together they produce in us a new life, which is for now and for heaven. Eternal life is a kind of living forever. Sorry, we start that again. Eternal life is, is living forever in fellowship with them. It's what we were made for. And the last point I want to make today. So, like the shepherds, tell everyone the good news this Christmas. They need to hear it more than ever before. They really do. Thank you.